You fled. Why? Were you afraid? I've never been afraid. But you left at the very time mankind needed courage. We offered the world order. We. Program complete. Enter when ready. Name. Yeah. yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even know if that's a meme or if that's that's real, but no, it's real. It's oh, okay, real. good. Oh yeah. Eventually we'll get there. Eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see that the movie that takes place is like years after this. Oh yeah. The other thing that we I talked about that you I don't think you've seen yet is uh this third episode deals with this <laughs> of uh, Strange New World season two. This is what it deals with. Oh okay. So it's like that's what changes everything. Hmm. Yeah. But that's yeah. all right. I mean, what do you gonna do? Nothing. They like changing it. They want to keep talking about it and revisiting it because it's like the most popular thing that Star Trek has pretty much ever brought to the table. <laughs> Risk. Risk is our business. was bounded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits. Rock and roll! Six. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it. We embrace it. At least I won't die alone. Welcome back to another Re-Trek review, where we discuss Star Trek Weekly. This week, we are talking about the original series episode, Space Seed. It originally aired February 16th, 1967. And it was a story written by Carrie Wilbur and made into a teleplay by Gene L. Kuhn. And it was directed by Mark Daniels. And Mark Daniels is our returning director. He had done The Man Trap, The Naked Time. He had done uh, both Menageries. So, yeah. So the synopsis for Space Seed is... The Enterprise discovers an ancient spaceship carrying genetically enhanced supermen from the late 20th century Earth and their enigmatic warlord leader, Khan Noonien Singh. So before we get into the breakdown of the full episode, let's ask Caleb, what did he think of the episode? Yeah, so, yeah, it was a good episode, honestly. It, um didn't have a lot of like cheesy stuff in it and uh i thought it was cool to see 
like Khan for the first time. Because uh, I'm like familiar with like Wrath of Khan and that kind of stuff. And obviously the the in the Chris Pine universe, the Benedict version. Yeah. So it was cool to see, you know, the original, honestly. I like Benedict because I have nothing to compare it to. But now I can understand why people aren't too, like, thrilled about that. Yeah, I I think, honestly, it has nothing to do with, like, acting. I think it just comes down to the fact that, like, in this episode, he's, he's, I mean, here's the reality. Because this is the 60s. He yep. is he is supposed to be a northern Indian. They specifically call him a Sikh in this episode. Mm-hmm. So he immediately is already this type of like ethnic cultural background. Yeah. And then they cast a Hispanic man, Ricardo Multiban, to play mm-hmm. him. So it's like <laughs> So that's why yeah. I I I know that maybe back then he wasn't as popular as he is now. Maybe he was. I can't quite remember. But to me, I always felt like in that Chris Pine movie, if you had casted like Javier Bardem, it would have been oh like perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been pretty good. Just his like his the same thing that the same stuff that like Khan does in this episode to Kirk, where he just kind of stares at him and doesn't answer his questions and just kind of like. Mm-hmm sizes them up like constantly he would have been great at it i mean he just would have been i mean yeah that's that's a good cast yeah any any uh any reference would be like him in the james bond movie it just would be where he plays like that creepy mastermind just 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 ever so so good yeah yeah you believe that he's a warlord right yeah, sadly, I mean, nothing against... I like J.J. Abrams a lot, and I think he's a smart guy. But sadly, like, that it's just a lot of the, um, the Kathleen Kennedys of Star Trek had their yeah. hands in the pie, like, that early on in Star Trek. Like, yeah. instead of going and making more content, like, five years? I think five years yeah. after Enterprise was canceled, they were like, oh, you know what would be great is if we went and redid Kirk movies, but then did them the way we wanted to do them. Yeah. It's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I think what it was, is, and you see it with Discovery, is they were fearful of not breaking in like new people. Yeah. They're like, oh, we canceled Enterprise because of franchise fatigue and issues with UPN. But in five years, like the only way to get people to watch Star Trek is if they're brand new viewers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. uh, oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. A lot of little background stuff here, which is kind of interesting. So it says Space Seed writer Carrie Wilbur used the 18th century British custom of shipping out the undesirables as a parallel. First concept of seed ships used to take unwanted criminals out to space from the overpopulated Earth, hence the name Botany Bay. In his original treatment, the Botany Bay left Earth in 2096 with 100 criminals, both men and women, and a team of a few volunteer lawmen aboard. 
also in his original writing, Khan Khan's character was a Nordic Superman named Harold Erickson. Uh, this evolved in the first draft where the character first introduced himself as John Erickson, but was later revealed to be Ragnar Thorwald, who had been in, yeah, who had been involved <laughs> in the first world tyranny. Thorwald was more brutal in this version of the story where he dispatched the guard outside his quarters with a phaser. Nice. But it says Gene Roddenberry question um, Carrie's notion of wasting high-tech spaceships and expensive resources on criminals, just as Kirk and Spock pose the same question. So it came, he came up with, uh, Gene Roddenberry came up with the concept of a bunch of Napoleons sent out to space in exile. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. We have a guest star of Ricardo Montalban as Khan and Madeline Rue as Marla. So let's get into the teaser. In 2267, the USS Enterprise encounters a spacecraft floating deep in space, sending out a signal in Morse code. Captain Kirk recognizes it as being similar to the DY-500 class, but Spock points it out as being the much older DY-100 class, built back in the 1990s. This is like... Think before we get, you know, really, really into everything. The only thing that like it just really bothers me, and it's so they still aren't not great in the series about it, but it just is like it's so painfully obvious. Is all of all of them, even Uhura, are all of the women in this episode are like painfully written. Like, mm-hmm. like to a point where it's like, uh, it's just so oversaturated with like old yeah, way over, of thinking. Yeah, it's just, over dramatic, yeah. It's just, it's like they right here in the opening, they have her turn around and like it's the more it's Morse code, and then Kirk's like, yeah, I know it's Morse code. Like he's immediately kind of like <laughs> mean for her, and it just yeah. doesn't. From that point forward, it just it never stops. It doesn't pick up, yes. Oh, man, it was rough. And honestly, I think uh, MacGyver's is, like, the worst pretty... thing about this episode. Yeah, and you'll, this... See when you get, you'll see when you get to my lit, my review list, yeah. And it's not, and it's not, <laughs> it's not the fact of, like, her character. It's just, like, she's so, she's written to just be an yeah. awful, dumb, like, you know, she's dumb, she's stupid and gullible. And overcome by Khan because merely because she is a woman, and that and like yeah. and that's, that's it. Yeah, There's he, no he, other reason. Yeah, he brings like nothing to the table, right? He's and like he like he's like very yeah. abusive, and she's just like, oh, yeah, but yeah, but he's a man from the 20th century. Right. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's just like. They, you know, it's like we'll start. They're all about being. They're advanced. They're beyond all this stuff. There, right? They're above yeah. all yeah. of these things that plague humanity in our time. Yeah. And it's like, so wouldn't she be well aware that, like, this guy being abusive to her and being like awful, she would be like, well, I, like, clearly you're a maniac, and I'm going to not involve myself with you. And Kirk should know all about this. 
Yeah. No. And to me, <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't serve anything, right? Like the whole point of it is to be. He's so mesmerizing that he can convince her to turn on Kirk and the ship, so yeah. that at the end, she can what stand there aggressively in that briefing room mm-hmm. to just immediately turn on Khan and release Kirk from the chamber. Yeah, like, it does it, nothing. It, it did nothing. No. Yeah. So yeah, I just yeah that whole thing to me was like the worst part of the episode. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. Everything else about it is like super cool and fascinating and I really like Ricardo. I like Khan in the episode. He's very he's very yeah. he makes very specific acting decisions and I really like it. But other than that, it's just like anything outside of his interact like Khan's interactions with Kirk and Spock and like taking over the ship, it's like Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, it was like too too much. Too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. felt like that too. Yeah, they go around, they're smacking a her around, and I'm just like, this doesn't this, yeah. this doesn't feel right. No, <laughs> it's just like Well, yeah. Feels plus, like you're like, doing it for the wrong yeah. reasons. <laughs> and plus, like they're from you know, the ninety well, right. yeah. So I mean they're from like an older timeline, so like they don't even understand why she's on the bridge to be right with. right right there's just this whole thing where it's like this doesn't need to be happening yeah didn't see a lot but of I... african uh eugenics guys walking around did you there was not no no, no. i think they're trying to say something <laughs> the uh yeah we'll get to it when we get there but that honestly that scene where they're like smacking a horror around uh, she's yeah. like so She's so dramatic in that scene too. Yeah, and it yeah, just yeah. makes that whole thing just so much like weirder. Yeah, it really does. It really it was, does. It was so weird. I've I've noticed that now, like as as many episodes I've watched, that like she makes a lot of like really funny acting decisions. It does. She does. <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> She's really selling it. Yeah, you. I know what part you're talking about. I'm not gonna say. Yeah. It until oh, we yeah, get there, yeah, but I know. Yeah. I had to I had to go back and rewatch it because I was like, did he hit her like did he hit her again? Did like something happen? It's like yeah. no, oh no. Oh, okay. No. Gotcha. It's just it's the thing that always gets her to yeah. make her cry and overreact. It's the one but everybody everybody was like that too towards the end yeah. of the episode where they're sure. like, Oh, your captain's probably did and everyone's like, No. <sighs> Kick. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, wow, that this crew, I mean, they they are hundred yeah. percent on board with their captain. That's that's nice. That's nice to see. You know, you don't not see Spock though. Face. Spock didn't care. No, he's an emotionless robot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Spock identifies the vessel from its outer hull markings as the SS Botany Bay, but finds no registry of the ship in the computer library. However, he points out that records of the era from which the ship was launched are fragmentary as the 1990s was the era of the eugenics wars. A strange and violent period in your history, as Spock puts it. Faint life signs are detected on board, and Kirk has the ship go to red alert. I like how, I like how Spock, he's always got to like tell them about their timeline. Yeah. So like, yeah, this was a weird timeline in your history. He's like, yeah, we, we know. I think the joke is, is that Kirk never knows, and Spock knows. 
<laughs> well, Kirk didn't really study history in Starfleet, I don't think. No. So the Botany Bay takes no action as the Enterprise approaches it, the only signal of life being the faint life readings. Now certain the ship is derelict, Kirk orders Scott and Dr. McCoy to join an engineering party to board the ship and investigate the life readings. Kirk also requests the services of the ship's historian, Lieutenant Marla McIvers. In the transport room, Scott takes note of the life support systems coming back on, as if the ship is expecting them to transport over. Very interesting, Kirk notes. I don't know why Kirk doesn't know. Like, again, it's immediately like, well, she's a woman. I don't know why they wrote that scene for him to have no idea who she is. Like, he can't yeah. remember. He has no idea. Like, he, he seems like the captain of the ship would know every member yeah, of his, his exactly. Crew. And he he acts like, he never acts like that in any of the other episodes we've seen, where he's just like, <laughs> I don't know who this person is. No idea. I only he pay also... attention to my helmswoman. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a beautiful helmet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I yeah I don't I don't know I don't know it's kind of one of those funny things that like you know and then it cuts to her in the in her thing in her quarters like painting all these guys and it's like it's fine I that didn't bother me that she has all these images of old his like yeah world she's leaders a, like whatever she's a she's historian a his, that makes exactly sense. yeah but it was just like the other funny thing about that scene too is that when they call on the spe- on the loudspeaker, like for her to go mm. into the thing, she's like, she's like almost like mad about. She is kind of mad about it. Yeah, she's like, I just gotta like tape off like her apron. Yeah, like okay. I feel. I was gonna say that you just you literally just wrote the scene that Kirk doesn't really know who you are. Which then makes you, as the audience, believe this lady doesn't go and do anything. So when they're like, hey, report to the transport room, you would think that she would be like, oh, nice, I'm finally getting to do something instead of being in my room and paint. Yeah. Yeah, my weird, <laughs> like, my weird, like, skill in this one thing is finally going to pay off. It's like, nah, that's all she wants to do is, like, paint. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's a weird role to be, like, on a. Federation ship and the, like, you don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, sounds funny. Uh, yeah, <sighs> but we get to see two things here. We right before they beam down, we get to see uh, transporter chief Kyle from Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds. The guy oh, yeah. that that's all that uh, Pike is always like, take me down. Right. He's like a young kid. And yeah. he's the, it's the only time he shows up in Star Trek. Yay. <laughs> is that the same kid that got taken like at gunpoint? Uh yeah, he's also the same kid that gets shoved and the the, the um bulkhead doors closed and he watches the guy get sucked out into space. Oh nice. It's the same, it's the same kid on the the one where they have the pin, the one where they have the pins on the, the Gorner attacking him. Cool. Yeah. But the cool thing that we never know about, you didn't know about uh, Transporter Chief Kyle. Yeah. He can A mimic lot. Scotty's hands when he's wow. beaming out. When when they're beaming away, he can also he can also be Scotty. 
and wow. push the things up. It's amazing. What what a skill. <laughs> what a skill. The hand model, huh? Beautiful. <laughs> the other funny thing too was like the very beginning, Kirk was like he's like, Okay, Bones, um Oh yeah. If you wanna see, you know, what's going on down there. And he's yeah. like, Is do I have an option? Nope. Like, no. <laughs> so it's yeah. like this is a weird thing where it was like, Okay, why did you phrase it like that? And then also like why does he not want to go down there and see? Yeah. It was like this weird, I don't know. It was just kind of, it was funny. It, no, it totally, it totally was strange because it's a thing that like going forward, McCoy like hating the transporter and hating like anything right. that's kind of like that is like, uh, oh yeah, like we, that is a firmly established thing. But like, yeah, I think he, I think in the episodes we've watched, I think he makes one other comment about, the transporter that he's like doesn't really like it and that's yeah. kind of it but yeah it is totally weird for him to be like for him for that first time to just be like yeah you really want me to go and do this and then kirk's <laughs> like uh yes yes yeah. i do <laughs> yeah you're the doctor oh <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too how he's like oh yeah it couldn't possibly be human yeah, 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 yeah. It's too, you know, the heartbeat is too heartbeat low and the too low. You know, it's like so they've never heard of stasis ever? Never heard no. of stasis. No. This, yeah. no. Impossible. Yeah. That's a scientific anomaly. <laughs> and that's why I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, that's what an interesting design. That ships from the nineteen nineties from yep. Earth. And they're like, well, an alien could have an old Earth ship. And you're like, oh, okay. They're like, yeah. And then they're like, well, it's low heartbeats. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, well, we're not going to look in the cryostasis or anything like that. We're not going to really pose why it's a 90s ship. But whatever. No yeah. way it's humans. No way it's humans. Yeah. I just, <laughs> wish, I just would love to do an episode of something like this where you're like, wow, yeah, that's weird. Isn't that weird? And they're like, yeah, well, anyway. Uh, Warp <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Factor 2, hit it. There it is. An old Earth vessel, similar to the DY-500 class. Much older. DY-100 class to be exact. Isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> the landing party materializes on board the Botany Bay, and Scott confirms that the vessel is Terran in origin, using old-style atomic power and computers with transistor units. He tells Kirk that he would love to get to tear this baby apart. MacGyver speculates that the ship is a sleeper ship designed for long periods of interplanetary travel. Due to the limits of space travel technology in that era until the year 2018. That's not funny. Yeah, they're like, well, that's, yeah. yeah, like, like that's it's such true. a far time 
time. From it's now. so funny that because it's like I was watching this episode and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> the show is so old. Because <laughs> back then they were writing this and they're like, oh, let's pick like a crazy, like crazy. Yeah. And they're like, oh, 2018, that might as well be, you know, 3,000 years from now. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. So that was like seven, eight years ago. <laughs> so yeah. It's like, it's honestly, it's a, it's such a, it's such a uh, proof that the space race was just a political move by the, by the United States because here in the late mid to late sixties, it was like, well, they're built, they're racing, they're building all these things and going to space constantly and trying to get a man on the moon. So that before Russia, and it's like, we got to do it. We got to do it. Russia's beating us in every way. And then the second they get a man on the moon, that's it. That was it. They're done. Yeah. No idea. Now what? I don't know. Right, they're like, yeah, well, we did it. We beat Russia to the moon, so we we won. What's up here? Nothing. And so nineteen, you know, nineteen seventy forward, like no, nobody cares about. They don't care about uh, space travel and space exploration and yeah. going to the next thing. And it's like, yeah, we always talk, you know, in our society, they always talk about going to Mars, but it's all privately funded stuff. Like the government doesn't care about it anymore. Yeah, that is true. So now you now you think about being a 1967 writer, and you have you're living during the space race, and they're talking about putting a man on the moon. So you think to yourself, well, in 30 years yeah. we'll have sleeper ships, and then in another, you know, like 25 years, you know, we're going to go beyond our solar system. I mean, just if if in like 10, you know, five to 10 years we built rockets to put a man on the moon. Yeah, it's, that's pretty funny. Imagine yeah, back what then, 50 something years is going to be like for space travel. But little did they know, the government wasn't going to care about it in like two years. They had no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where a lot of it comes from because they're just like 2018. I mean, almost uh-huh. 60 years of space travel. I mean, we're going to be, we're going to be doing anything, going anywhere. I thought about you more so than your uh, any of your engineering, uh, your Clark character from the RPG. When Scotty gets over to the, he's on the wall and he's looking at stuff, and then he's just like, "Oh, look at all this!" And <laughs> yeah. he's like, oh, "I think these things are called transistor units." And he's like, "Oh, I'd love to open this thing up." And I was just thinking, like you in real life, like if you were, if that was you on a spaceship and you got to see something from like 200 years ago, you'd be like, oh man, <laughs> I want to look at everything on the inside of this thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, just like when we were building the uh, the Enterprise like communicator, like door like buttons. Oh yeah. I took apart all those like old keyboards to get like switches. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, look at these the inside of this keyboard, you know? <laughs> Yeah, never allowed to dismantle your keyboards at home. No, so. <laughs> God, no. God, no. And then when I realized that, like, they're basically just momentary switches. So, like, yeah. when you when you push it down, it makes contact. So, like, you literally can, like, just use them for, like, wiring lights and stuff. Oh, true, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
one of the life units is then activated, and Kirk asks MacGyvers if this could be the leader. The lieutenant does not reply immediately, seemingly smitten with the appearance of the man, but eventually answers that it's likely as the leader would be awakened first to determine if circumstances warranted the reviving of the others. She also speculates that the man could be a Sikh from the northern region of India, noting that they were the most fantastic warriors. Scott then reports that there are 84 people held in suspended animation, all of varied ethnic origins. Yeah. All of the stuff that's happening, I am super into. And sadly, the way she's written, it just makes it a thousand times worse. Because it's super fascinating that the ship starts to turn on before they even get over there. Which, it's like, huh, I wonder why. Like, what's the background with that, you know? Yeah. Why would the people of the 90s be like, well, if the ship comes close to something, like, activate, like, take them out of suspended animation? Just all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, having, knowing, I'm sure you did at this point, too, but, like, knowing that this is Khan, that, yeah. like, it's, it's it's like you're you're thinking of this, like, literal historical moment of television entertainment, like, this is the introduction of this character who is like just as famous as like Darth Vader. Yeah. Kind right. of thing, you know? So it was like, I, I really like all that, but then it's like, it cuts to her and she's just like, Oh, <laughs> you're just like, Oh, okay. Oh like, my God. He's so hot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. She's like, oh, so you're saying there's 80 more? Interesting. Oh. <laughs> oh. Fascinating. <laughs> like, and then, like, later on, when it's like revealed that she was like starting a new painting and using Khan's face. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was supposed to be such this like, like taboo, like thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was so funny. Mm. She was like so embarrassed, but oh my god, I was, I was laughing. Yeah, so it was like finding her diary. They acted like she was a fourteen-year-old girl, and Khan had found her diary. And he was like, and she was like, "I held his hand today," and he was like, "Oh, oh, oh. Mm. excellent." He was wearing a mesh top, and I could see his his skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could see his feet. And his skin. <laughs> yeah. And his yeah. chest, his bulging chest. <laughs> the life support unit malfunctions, likely due to the accumulation of dust in a sealed compartment. I added that part. And its yeah. occupant's life readings <laughs> begin dropping. As MacGyver begs Kirk to save him, he breaks the glass on the stasis unit to release him. Taking shaky breaths as he regains consciousness, the man asks, in a hoarse whisper, how long he has been asleep. <laughs> Kirk estimates the time at two centuries. Kirk flips his communicator open to request that McCoy and the man be beamed aboard the Enterprise immediately for further medical attention. Magnificent, MacGyver states. MacGruber. McGruber. <laughs> <laughs> I specifically looked and when Kirk breaks the plexiglass or whatever that was, 
like the yeah. sugar glass. There's all of this like broken glass, like on the other side of Montalban's like legs and like on his legs. Yeah. And I was so just they've like, done it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I was like, okay, this is going to be so like cheesy. He, he, it's supposed to be this like sealed pressurized thing, you know, and then oh, he yeah. breaks the glass and he reaches up there and he like undoes the latch. Yeah. Cause he and knows he, what like, it is. Yeah. And then he flops it down and it comes down like a cabinet. Yes, yes. I was like, oh my God. But then the table slides out, you know, because I, and then, I, you know, I'm picturing two guys in the back going, <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but the fact that that table like slid out, I was like, okay, oh, yeah. I All can right. accept that. I can accept that as yeah. a piece of technology. Yeah. McCoy is conducting a medical analysis on the unidentified man at sickbay on the Enterprise. McCoy is amazed at the physical and recuperative power of the man. Aboard the Botany Bay, Scott notes that 12 of the life units had failed and that their car- occupants had have consequently died, leaving 72 alive from the 1990s, 30 of the survivors being women. Spock can find no record in the vessel in any of the computer libraries. Kirk suspects that since Botany Bay was the name of an Australian penal colony, this might have been a way to deport criminals. So that was another another thing to harp on, is that Scotty is like, oh yeah, so 12 of them didn't make it. Like, okay. And he's like, yeah, but the 70 other two are far stable. And just to want to let you know, Captain, 30 of them are women. Just want yep. to let you know that just in case you wanted to wake those up first right <laughs> like for you know science <laughs> yeah like, which makes it even it no, makes it even just... weirder too when like Khan is like fixed eyes you know he gets like hyper fixated on mcgruber yeah it's like oh woman mm. excellent it's like you have like 30 on your ship Dude, yeah, like who are like, powerful like he's, and he's right. like, oh, in my time, all the women have been eradicated. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. like, that's how we acted. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what happens. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spock refutes this as it would be a seeming waste of Earth than most advanced spaceship but has no other explanation of his own, lacking sufficient facts. Spock also notes the extreme low probability that a vessel of this type could have survived for so long and managed to leave Earth's solar system. Kirk orders Lieutenant Spinelli to have the Botany Bay put under tow and set course to Starbase 12. Insufficient facts always invites danger, Captain. Mm. In sickbay, Kirk arrives to speak to the man. McCoy notes his superior bodily strength and efficiency of his lungs, hinting at his augment origin. McCoy estimates that the man could lift both he and Kirk with one arm. He tells Kirk that it would be interesting to see if the man's brain matches his body. MacGyvers arrives while Kirk chides her on her performance on the landing party. She admits to finding the man fascinating in a purely professional way, as her position aboard the Enterprise is historian. Kirk thanks her for admitting this, noting, if I can have honesty, it's easier to overlook mistakes than dismisses her. 
Yeah, I didn't understand this scene at all. Yeah, me either. Like, what is he even talking about? He, she, he's talking to her like she, like they're on a mission, and she like froze up and like didn't, you know, right. somebody could have gotten killed. I think it's, uh, I think, I think what they're trying to say or like get at is that she, when he's like, like what do we, what do we think about this guy? Like, do you think it's the leader? And she just stared at him for an extra five seconds. And then he was like, hello, is this the leader? And she was like, oh, yes. To Kirk, that was like, well, that's it. Like, you're an idiot. Never taking a woman again. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get it onto it. It's just, it's just, it was another scene. I was just like, why? Like, why? <laughs> why does this have to be a thing? Later, the man awakes from his slumber and goes through some exercises. Then, hearing Dr. McCoy at work, the man notes a scalpel among a collection of antique medical instruments on the wall. He takes it and moves back to his bed, feigning sleep. McCoy arrives to check his vital signs, and the man reaches towards McCoy's throat, threatening him with the scalpel. McCoy, sarcastically and in an admirable display of calm, tells him to make up his mind to choke him or cut his throat adding that it would be best if he would cut the carotid artery just under the left ear. The man says he admires such bravery and lets McCoy take back the scalpel. McCoy simply and calmly tells him that he was just trying to avoid an argument. The man demands to speak to the captain of the vessel, and McCoy calls Kirk, saying he is a man with many questions. I like this. I like this scene. I like seeing... um... Yeah, McCoy. Kind of like fearless, yeah. He's just like, listen, if you're going to do it, yeah, just just do it. Like, I already had to use the transporter today. Just go ahead and end it. And I think yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's such a, it's a, it's such a great combination of the fact of, like, McCoy has such confidence in, like, medical... That he mm-hmm. probably is like, well, if even if he does slip me out, throw like I'll probably live. And two, I think also like he just legitimately doesn't care. Like I, whatever, man. Like if you're gonna kill me, just kill me. Like <laughs> it almost seemed like he's like, hey, so don't um don't screw this up. Like I don't want to have surgery from this. So just like oh. the credit artery is like also- right here. Just <laughs> make sure you get that because yeah, you know. That's I don't want to have a feeding tube. I don't want to have a feeding tube for a couple months. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap, Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is, is they have the display of old medical technology, like tools on the wall. Oh, yeah. And it is the only time this shows up in Star Trek that he has this thing on the wall. <laughs> And it's very, very, very obvious that Mm -hmm. it's only on the wall because, you know, he had to have a knife. Yeah, right. Because otherwise it had to be like, you'd have to explain how does this guy know that this is a phaser or that this thing is, you know, a laser cutter or whatever. Like, how would he know? So they're like, well, he has to get a blade. It's like, yeah, but McCoy doesn't use blades in his sick bay. So how does he... How does he know? Yeah, so they don't like, use well, 
they don't use that stuff in the future. Right, right. So it's like, well, he has to get a blade. So what? So he'll just, well, yeah, he just likes he likes uh, old uh, technology. And I on the tour they talk about it like it was a reminder to McCoy that like basically. Yeah, it's like the forceps that, from like World War One, and yeah, of like how barbaric old humanity he is. Yeah, it's pretty funny. When Khan awakes, he's like, I, I tire of talking to you, Doctor. I just uh, bring me the captain. I have many questions for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had two. Yeah. <laughs> how long and, has it been? And where are we going? <laughs> also, can I have books specifically? Yeah. Hey, can I have complete and utter access to your ship logs? You got it. <laughs> and I just love too how like he's like this main character like figure mm-hmm. in their timeline and it's like you know the obviously he used his full name right and now he's just going by Khan and it's like yeah it's not like his nobody, name is like Jeff or something right like uh, nobody was like hey wasn't there like a famous dictator in Named Coniferous. It's like, um, yeah, probably not too many people with the same. Yeah. No. Also, Spock should have been like, hmm, let me call up my friend from when I served with under Captain Pike and I'll call up uh, La'an Nunian saying. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I never even put that together. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what she's talking about when she says that her great great grandfather is like a. She got bullied in school because of her name. And why she's called Augment and all that stuff. Whatever she was uh, called in that episode. Yeah. She's a descendant wow. of Khan. Okay. Yeah. I never picked up on that because I never knew his full name until this episode. Yeah, right. There. So there you go. Hmm. You've been watching Khan's whatever, like great, 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 great granddaughter. <laughs> Excellent. Kirk arrives, identifies himself as the captain, and asks the man his name. The man avoids the question and asks what the ship's heading is. Kirk answers that it is Starbase 12, a planet in the Gamma 400 star system, the Enterprise command base in that sector. The man identifies himself simply as Khan. Kirk attempts to question Khan further, but he declines to elaborate on his history, claiming he is fatigued. He says that he was once an engineer of sorts and would very much like to study the ship's technical manuals. Kirk and McCoy then show him how to use the computers to access such information. He is later visited by MacGyvers, asking her to sit and entertain him rearranging her hairstyle to something more attractive. <laughs> this was a good scene, yeah. So, like you said, he the whole Kirk thing happens and he's like, you know, and you can tell that Kirk is like sort of aware that this guy is I don't know, just like there's something different about him, but yeah. then he's like, "Oh, well, uh, you know what? I don't want to talk about it." And yeah, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to answer that. Here's my name. I'm only going to give you part of my name. 
And uh, you know what? You're asking a lot of questions. I'm real sleepy. I'm real tired. And then, then Kirk is just like, oh. And then McCoy's like, yeah, he's exhausted. Look at him. He's exhausted. He's like, well, but before you go, could I have every single blueprint of the ship? Just need that for a little bit to read. <laughs> and Kirk's just like, uh, yeah, sure. Then the historian lady comes in. She talks to him, and then yeah, he's, she starts asking the same questions, and he's like, I don't want to talk about that, but uh, why do you wear your hair like an idiot? Let's take uh, let's take three or four bobby pins out and have like three or four. It looks so stupid after two. Oh, it's it stupid. Oh, so bad. He took three bobby pins out, so she had like it was like longer in the back, like a mullet. <laughs> and he's like, "That's better. That's better. <laughs> That's better." Wow, this guy is thick. <laughs> this guy. Something's going on with this guy. Why do you wear your hair like a fool? <laughs> like, a fool. <laughs> like an absolute fool. <laughs> you must let only three curls dangle from the back of your head. So this... Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Their relationship in this episode, it was, to me, it's... it's uh, The Fist of Fury. Episode. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's, it's Fist of Fury. It's like, oh, oh no. No, yeah. no, no. I, I don't want you to um, think I... Yeah. Oh, no. chosen one. Oh, chosen yeah. <laughs> oh. No. Yes, no. I, I love you, chosen one. But no, I can't do it, chosen one. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this episode it, is. It really was. Uh, uh, oh, wee, wee, wee. I don't want you to see me cry like this, chosen one. Oh, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh man, that's a good, that's a, that's especially the a part where, especially the part in this episode later on where he like hits her and he's like, "Then just leave, just leave," and she's on the floor. She's like, "I don't want to leave. I don't want to, please." <laughs> oh, wee, 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 wee. <laughs> take me back, chosen one. Take me. Uh, in the officer's mess the crew prepares a full dress banquet and McCoy wonders if the Enterprise is hosting a fleet admiral (laughs) Kirk replies (laughs) it was MacGyver's idea to welcome Khan to their century dressed for the occasion Khan meets with MacGyver's inner quarters decorated with portraits of great conquerors of the past including Richard the Lionheart, Leif Erikson Alexander the Great and Napoleon Bonaparte as well as an unfinished portrait of Khan in the 20th century. Khan tells her he is honored, but cautions her such men dare take what they want before passionately kissing her, which she apparently doesn't mind. Oh, yes. I'm flattered that you painted me. But all these men stole kisses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I see that you like powerful world leaders. Oh, yeah. I just want to let you know they all loved kissing. Yeah. Gosh, it doesn't make any sense why he would care about this lady at all. No. Not at all. It would make so much more sense for him to just 
like brain not brainwash but like trick kirk into letting things happen right mm-hmm. like oh well yeah no all these things like hey my name is uh thomas ranger and i need all the help and i need can you help me do all the stuff and i need friends and wake all my friends up and yeah i mean basically i mean for for all the things yeah. wrong about into darkness the thing they got right was getting rid of the MacGyver's char- character in the movie mm-hmm. and just having Kirk and Khan go back and forth with each other, you know? Yeah. And make they make Khan like a... He tricks them, right? He tricks Kirk into doing all this stuff. When they get up on the bridge, he, like, beats up Kirk, and then he's like, now I'm going to kill you all, you know? Yeah, it's just that kind of stuff. It makes so much yeah. more sense. Okay. At the banquet, Khan explains the nature of his journey from Earth, going in search of adventure, believing there was nothing left on Earth. Spock comments on the eugenics wars as a conflict to end tyranny, while Khan replies that it was an effort to unite humanity, calling his era a time of great dreams, great aspirations. While there were dozens of petty dictatorships, Khan declares one would have ruled eventually, like Rome under Caesar. Think of its accomplishments, he intones. Kirk bluntly asks why Khan fled, asking if he was afraid, goading Khan to declare, we offered the world order, to which Kirk responds by asking, we? Noting Khan's reference to a master race, Khan congratulates Kirk on the discovery of Khan's intent. Then he says, he is fatigued again and returns to his quarters. I'm <laughs> <laughs> very tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you you got to be an absolute idiot if you think they're like, oh, it sounds like you're talking about master race things and you're trying to take over the world. He's just like, oh, I'm, I'm so sleepy. I'm so sleepy. I got to, I got to get to bed. Yeah. <laughs> So, MacGyver appears at Khan's quarters and apologizes for how he was treated at the dinner. Khan comments their reaction is understandable, given that he is something of a mystery to them. MacGyver confesses that she knows exactly who he is and wonders if he is going to like living in her century, to which Khan replies that he will have to remold it to his liking. Showing the darker side of his nature, Khan tells MacGyver he intends to take control of the Enterprise and demands her help, bullying her into submitting to his desire. Unwilling to lose him, she promises to do anything, he asks. So probably the worst scene of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, I'm just going to move on from it because uh, it just is a terrible scene for so many different reasons, and we've already gone at great lengths of how miserable it is that they go about yeah. all this stuff. So, but we're at the halfway point, so go down to the comment section and write Udar. Remember Udar from Enterprise, mm-hmm. one of the augments who didn't have genetically enhanced abilities, and they picked on him. Yeah. Get some love for Udar down in the comments. In the briefing room, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and Scott consult the historical records and determine that their guest is Khan Noonien Singh, one of the genetically engineered tyrants of the eugenics wars, and the last to be overthrown. From 1992 to 1996, he was an absolute ruler of one quarter of the earth, from Asia to the Middle East. 
Scott admits he's always held a sneaking admiration for this one, with Kirk and McCoy adding that his rule lacked the usual massacres and internal wars endemic to tyrants. Spock counters that he also severely curtailed freedoms and is alarmed at the romantic tone of the humans towards a ruthless dictator. Kirk replies that they can be against him and admire him all at the same time. Illogical, Spock says. Totally, Kirk responds. The captain then orders security to place a 24-hour guard on Khan's quarters, effective immediately. I don't know if we can, if you and I can speak to it, but like excluding the <laughs> stuff, the stuff with MacGyver's how Khan acts, right? Yeah. Would any part of you, like you as Caleb, would you be enthralled with him? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, I just it's, like I, it's. It's almost in a way of like sitting and talking about like Hitler, right? And saying like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a good guy, but you know, his tactics were good, right? Like he got stuff done. It was like that's kind of weird to say that. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It, it was. It's like um. I know there's that meme of like men constantly think about the Roman Empire thing, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, but I don't know. I just I when he was like, well, you know, we can we can not uh we can be against him and admire him all at the same time, and it's like as a guy, I don't think that. I've ever once thought like yeah. if I got to talk to Alexander the Great or Napoleon or Julius Caesar that I would be like, oh man, this guy's awful. But <sighs> yeah. yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Let me talk about how well he ran his empire. I'd be like, this guy's a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Later, Kirk visits Khan in his quarters, who is wearing a red Starfleet uniform, like that worn by the ship's engineers or security guards, and, lost in thought, commenting on his door being locked from outside with a guard posted. Kirk admits it was unusual treatment for who he is and wishes to know the truth about his departure from Earth. Kirk replies that he and his followers saw a new life and a chance to build a new world. Plus other things, he did not believe Kirk, who he considered mentally and physically inferior, would understand. He comments on how little mankind has changed despite its technical advancements, and that he and his people would do well in this century. After Kirk leaves, Khan breaks out of his quarters by forcing the sliding door open with his bare hands, and then brutally knocks out the guard outside, taking his phaser. Meanwhile, MacGyvers holds Transporter Chief Kyle at phaser point, beaming Kyle over to the Botany Bay to revive his people. All the Kirk, all the Kirk Khan stuff is like great. When Kirk comes in and asks Khan all the questions, and then Khan says a couple things, and Kirk's like, "Yep, I I don't need to know anything else. Like I, you've answered all of my possible questions." I was like, "Yeah." Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I did really like that scene. And I, I like too how it keeps kind of going back and forth. Like you think that like uh Kirk has the upper hand. Yeah. 
but then you kind of slowly start to realize that like oh okay yeah no Khan yeah. had like manipulated the thing from the very beginning right right the thing I thought about was despite the fact that the doors are mechanisms and gears and stuff of that nature I my part of my brain was like is it possible for him to rip open the door or is it just like a weird <laughs> a weird thing that they just want to happen in the episode yeah they don't really get into how the doors like are because you would think like they're not just like little tracks on a thing it seems like they're almost like bulkheads where they can seal mm-hmm. off like a section like of the seal. ship right and it's like you know yeah. but that's okay yeah, I don't know. That's I don't want to. I don't want to do the thing that uh, I've made Adrian laugh about, where he's like, "Not to push my glasses up," but I'm like, in episode, you know, Spock says no. So yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the doors are actually pressurized bolt cans, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It would take exactly 625 kilotons of force to open <laughs> right. the door. And therefore, Khan would have to be... <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. But then even at the end, when he like has all his other like augment like buddies yeah. on the ship, they're just like, well, I guess, I guess we're done now. Yeah. Because they right. have two phasers pointed at us, so... Yeah. That's it's it. Over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> They beat us. I, all I could think about when that scene, when we get to the scene, I just, I literally thought about you going, wrap it up, wrap <laughs> it. Because it was like, this is it. We're not, this is not an hour and a half long episode. Yeah. We got yeah. five more minutes, buddy. Yeah. Wrap it up. End it cleanly and let's go. <laughs> Security alerts Kirk that Khan has escaped. Shortly afterwards, communications become jammed, the turbo lifts disabled, and life support on the bridge cut off. Kirk calls engineering to find out why and is answered by Khan, who now controls engineering with his followers and has cut off life support, demanding that Kirk surrender the ship to him or die of suffocation. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk, say it quick, and then we can laugh about it and move on. Um, another terrible example was Khan goes over to the Botany Bay and all of his buddies are doing the same breathing, stretching things, but they're all in the nice new red jumpsuits that Khan has on, but not the ladies. They're in every single woman in the scene. Yeah. The far background had the weird mesh like bikini thing on. Yeah. And I'm like, you couldn't put at least one of them in the red jumper. No. Like, are you kidding me? It was no. stupid. You'd have to re you'd have to you'd have to make a whole jumper for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did like I did like that Kirk is just like Nah, and just basically passes out on the bridge. He's just like, "That's okay. Not gonna give me this shit." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I'd, like right in the right in the middle of his monologue, you know. Yeah. Uh, also, the funny we were talking last week too about like how you know they him and Spock have like tendonitis from like recording the oh, show. And, yeah, and I really have been like like watching. And he he lands on his knees like pretty pretty hard on that platform before yeah. he falls to like I'm like man, oh, yeah. God he just takes a beating every he episode. Does. He really does. <laughs> he really really does. He gave it all. He gave it his everything. 
I sure did. The bridge crew suffocates to the point of passing out. Kirk and Spock are the last to fall unconscious. Before passing out, Kirk, making a log entry, as you noted last week, mm -hmm. uh, states he takes full responsibility for Khan taking over his ship. When the crew awakens, they are being held at phaser point by Khan's men in the briefing room while Khan holds Kirk captive in McCoy's decompression chamber. And the rest of the bridge crew in the briefing room, who watch helplessly as the video screen shows, Kirk suffocating. Oh, no. How yeah, I just... <laughs> I was just thinking of you because I was editing that thing and remembering a lot of you saying... Um, <laughs> Like why? Why is there a log of this? It's like, wow, well, because Kirk Kirk recorded it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh god, I should probably save my oxygen and try to fight to the dry last breath that I have. Like, but I'll probably, I'll probably make a long log that'll that'll probably. He just it. needs, yeah, he needs he needs people to hear him. He needs people to hear his logs. Like, like you would think, I don't have any time. oxygen. You would just be like, Khan has the ship. Recommendations for the bridge crew. We're going to yeah. try to last as long as we can. And that's it. Like, that's all he had to say. <laughs> Trying to hold my breath as long as I can. I... <laughs> but it's just like, oh, man. Yeah, just shut up, Kirk. Just shut up. It's almost easily, like it's almost like they think, another minute. But go ahead. Yeah, it's almost like they think the audience is like really stupid. So it's right. almost like they use Kirk's right. logs for like after a commercial break to like recap like what's been going on. But like, oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Khan's getting rid of all the oxygen in the room. I forgot about that. Yeah, when I got like, up to get a my popcorn. Yeah. But like I didn't watch the other forty-five minutes of this. Uh, I wonder what's hey, happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just got here. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm not going to tell you. Man. Kirk's going to tell you right now when it comes back from commercial. I bet the beginning for... of this was very good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is also the scene too, because after they show on the monitor what's going on. Oh yeah. Like they smack her around, make her like, oh yeah, make her open the the channel. Yeah. She won't. She won't do it. She hates it. This is it right here. Khan threatens to kill the captain unless the bridge crew cooperates with the augments. None of the captive crew agree to join him, and Khan becomes infuriated by their resistance, threatening them with all, threatening them all with suffocation. MacGyver's then excuses herself, unable to watch the torture of Kirk in the brutal way that Joaquin, one of Khan's henchmen, treats Uhura, violently striking her across the face. As Khan continues to rage, the video screen goes blank as the channel to the decompression chamber is unexpectedly cut. Joaquin demands of Uhura how to regain the picture, but she refuses to respond and he prepares to strike her once again. Khan stops Joaquin with a gesture telling the crew that Kirk is dead and Spock will be taken in to die next. Yeah, that, so this is the scene, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure is. Yes, it is. There is. Yeah. I yeah. So like I said, I rewound this like three times to see like what exactly <laughs> happened. Because he's, he's on the she's like sitting there on the computer. 
Yeah. And then the guy's like about to like hit her again and she like flinches. Yeah. Like, no, don't even worry about it. Captain Kirk is already dead. And she goes, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did did she get hit? Like I was so confused. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. so confused. She like oh, slumps man. over like she just got like punched in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so on the third time I was like, oh she's sad. She's sad. Because <laughs> Kirk is dead. I like too how like they were they were so confused by the the video feed went out the same time that uh McGruber yeah. walked out. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I don't have to stand here and watch this. He's like, that's she strange. like as soon as she leaves, they're like, Hey, the feed cut. That's weird. Like, well, Kirk's dead. Anyway, carry yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. If any if any one of you joins me, then I will release the captain. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead. So now Kirk has to go or Spock has to go in there. And Spock's just like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, MacGyver's uh, comes to Kirk's aid by using a hypo spray to knock out the guard who was watching him in the decompression chamber. She frees Kirk from the chamber and urges him not to hurt Khan. Spock and an augment arrive just then. Kirk surprises and confronts Khan's man, who is subsequently incapacitated by Spock using a Vulcan nerve pinch. I like that. That was pretty good. Yeah. I honestly really like William Shatner's acting when he comes out of the chamber like that, trying to catch his breath, and he's like, like staggering. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I know. Even then, even then, she's like, "Hey, I let you out, but like, don't, like, don't, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. At least, don't shoot his beautiful face." Yeah, <laughs> that's all I ask. Uh, I think yes. I think Kirk should have just gone when he's going like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. just be quiet, yeah. be quiet." He should. She instead of doing that, he's just been like phaser. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and then just stunned. Yeah, you can't shoot ladies. That's yeah. inappropriate for the sixties. No, yeah, that's that's bad. I do like that scene where like Kirk is like struggling with the guy with the you know with the phaser. And, yeah, and Spock just kind of like leans over and just is like, he's, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> yep it's it's one of those things that like it could get overused, but I oh, feel like, yeah. they like they don't overuse it. You know. They have to write it in such a way where it makes sense, like why he uses it and why he doesn't use it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like his last resort, honestly. Right. In the briefing room, Khan realizes something is wrong when he cannot contact his men, specifically Rodriguez, Ling, and McPherson. Kirk and Spock then succeed in flooding the ship with knockout gas, but Khan is able to avoid the gas by escaping to engineering and cutting it off rigging the ship to blow up with an overload. Kirk rushes to stop Khan with a phaser, but Khan ambushes the captain and crushes the phaser with his bare hands, as easily as one would crumple a piece of paper. The two men come to blows in engineering, and Kirk eventually defeating the genetically engineered man by knocking him out with a makeshift club and saving the Enterprise from destruction. A great scene, but also probably the one of the weaker, like the second weakest scene, is them going mm-hmm. hand in hand because yeah. it's like it's fine all the context of him opening the door with his bare hands and like 
and McCoy saying all the stuff that he's like more physically fit and all this stuff. But then he comes to the door and he crushes the phaser, which is cool. I think it's, it looked like it was made out of clay maybe or something. I don't really know. Yeah. But yeah, which is a cool scene. But then immediately like Kirk is holding his own and you're just like, this doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. like to, to me, it would have made more sense. I don't know if he did something like, you know, like they, he, he, he pushes, pushes him into something and like he's using parts of the ship like currents and like he's opening up panels. Kirk is like electrocuting Khan with like electrical panels or wires from the ship or something. Like the only way to really stop him is to use like crazy intense means that would kill a normal person, but is only like rendering Khan like it's just weakening Khan type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, true. Like when you were, uh, I've, I've never played the game, but I know you have. It's like when you're when your character, um, I can't think of his name from the Star Wars game, is like fighting Darth Vader in the first game. Mm. Yeah, it's like he can't take him direct on because he's weaker, so he has to do all these things like throw things at him and like you know, like cut the legs out of like uh, the support beams of like you know uh, walkways and stuff. Like the only way you're going to get away from him, yeah, is doing stuff that's just going to slow him down, type of thing. Yeah, it's in more of an environmental battle than right. like hand-to-hand combat. It's just you're right. not You'll... going to. Yeah, exactly. And I get it. It's a sexy show. You can't have the captain be a weakling. Otherwise, what's the point of the show? Like, I get it. You can't have yeah. Kirk, Kirk look bad, but it just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, he just fought a Gorn last week. That's true. So, so now he's he knows how to handle. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to handle a stronger opponent. True. The thing that did make me laugh, I don't know if you laughed at it, was when Kirk gets that magical tube out of the council. That's a and good, then yeah. he hits Khan with it. And Khan's like, ooh. And then Kirk's like, and another one, and another one, and another one. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, right before that, before that Khan's like I'm too strong you'll never you'll (laughs) never defeat me you'll never do anything and Kirk just like hits him a couple times he's like oh oh and he like he's on the ground like you're saying yeah that was pretty funny it is pretty funny to go along with what you were saying was um, he hit him hitting him with the club thing the whatever that piece thing was reminded me of just like like when somebody you like you and I filming something silly or doing something silly, and it's the thing where it's just like <laughs> you're not really hitting the person. So he so it's like Shatner's doing this thing where he's like hitting him and then Khan is like, Oh, oh, <laughs> oh like and it's just like <laughs> he's just coming over the top of him and it's just like these two actions don't meet each other. Like yeah, it's clearly fake. <laughs> yep. Here is the finale. Later, at a formal hearing, Kirk drops all charges against Khan and his people, considering it a waste to put Khan in a penal colony, and gives him the offer of taming the inhabited world of SETI Alpha 5, an offer which Khan accepts referencing a quote from Milton's Paradise Lost, that it is better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. Marla McIvers is given the option of court-martial or accompanying Khan and his people. Khan warns her it will be difficult at first to survive, to find food, 
and Marla chooses to join Khan and his people. As soon as Khan and his people leave, Kirk and Spock express an interest in returning to City Alpha 5 and 100 years to learn what crop will sprout from the seed they planted. A bad one. A bad one. Perhaps (laughs) a genetically altered seed. (laughs) Meh. Yeah. So even at the end, she's like, oh, yeah. I'm going going to that planet. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see what's wrong with that. She flips on Kirk, and then she flips on Khan, then flips on Kirk, and it's just like, I don't... Mm -hmm. I don't know what I want. I'm a lady. (laughs) She's a double-double agent. Yep. But... This obviously is a big famous episode because of what it leads to. So, yeah, it's 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 sadly one of the few Star Trek episodes that's like incredibly important to watch because it actually matters and it touches on a lot of stuff that, like you said, that they constantly talk about in Star Trek. You know, so Mm. you can't like skip this one. But also, it's like one of the more like. Just ones that didn't age well, kind of episodes, like mm. between the sexism and just some of the like decisions that they make with like fight, like physically fighting Khan. It's just like it just doesn't, just doesn't. Yeah. Play. But that is okay. It is what it is. It does. It's aged, it is, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. Exactly. So before we wrap it up, let's do the thing that everyone's waited for. Caleb. 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 <laughs> I've already started painting him. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> oh, that would have been that would have been the best thing you could have done is if you had on your phone this like drawing of him and you were just like I really like this episode look at this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah it would have been funny it would have been funny all right Caleb who gets the Erica Ortega's award for being most unlikable <laughs> McGruber for sure yeah definitely McGruber McGruber yeah, yeah. McGruber <laughs> yeah yeah we already touched on it I can't I don't want to beat a dead horse so yeah <laughs> alright who gets the Elizabeth Cutler award for most forgettable it's gotta be one of like his cronies probably the guy that um, is hitting Nohara Spock nerve pinches oh yeah. that guy oh okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. loser Loser. It might be the same guy. Could be. Also, the guy who gets the hypo spray looking in, like who decides to stare into the depression chamber, is also pretty. Pretty. Forgot about that guy. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's. I think I said to watch him very (laughs) close. Very close. (laughs) Like almost like if you get your face right up to the window. These are all world leaders, by the way. These are all people who ran. Oh, yeah. You can tell. 
<laughs> you can <Really>? tell. <laughs> yeah. Government at its best. <laughs> so, who gets the Trip Tucker Award as being the MVP? I'm going to say Spock. Yeah. Spock's the MVP in this episode. Yeah, I think that's the one I was thinking about, too. Like, really, at the end of the day, Spock is the one to be like, no. Mm-hmm. He's terrible. Why are we doing this? Like, he's yeah. already suspicious yeah. of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you guys like talking about him in this, like, you know? Yeah. This way. And why are you letting him read the entire, like, computer thing? Why are you? <laughs> it's like, it's all these questions. Like, yeah. I have the same questions. Even though Spock doesn't have, like doesn't do that, it, he does kind of get a little dig into Kirk when he's like, uh, "Yeah, he's uh, able to shut everything down, and we're suffocating on the bridge because uh, he learned a lot from those uh, technical mm-hmm. manuals." So, yeah, yeah good thing he gave him a little bit of light reading material. <laughs> but he stays calm, and he you know yeah. holds up his. Oh yeah, thing. and then at the end, he nerve pinches the guy. So that's pretty good. That's right. That's right. I always like that. The best one. Mm-hmm. All right. What gets the Shran Award is the best action sequence. I do like Kirk and Khan's like fight scene. Yeah. As far as action. Is there anything specific in that fight scene that you like? Or... Hmm. I like when Kirk is hanging on to the mesh wall. And <laughs> choking him with his leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you may have super strength, but have you seen these thighs? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pop out your eyes with these thighs. No, you have not. <laughs> and then MacGruber shows up. She's like, I have. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen them. Look at my work. I painted them. <laughs> <laughs> I painted them. Look at them. <laughs> All right. What gets the NX award for some sweet ship stuff? The thing that I did enjoy yeah. is uh, there's a close up shot of Spock when he's working the science station. Mm-hmm. And you can really see that, like, uh, that wheel. I forget what they call it. The. That spinning thing that they use. He's turned in, he's talking to Kirk, and it's like behind his head, and it's just like meow, 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 like on the wall. Yes, 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 yes. yes. And it's okay. like the first time I remember seeing that like big on like the science display. Got it. What is that thing specifically called? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know what it's called either. It's probably named after one of the prop guys, honestly. Probably. So what gets the Porthos Award for being the cheesiest thing of the episode? Oh, this is a good one. You mentioned his, like, when he wakes up, you mentioned Khan, like, uses, like, yoga. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the one that really made me laugh, right, is uh, right before he opens the door. Oh, yeah. This is very, very dramatic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. this is ridiculous. <laughs> he's summoning all, yeah, all of his, his uh, he's centering the strength of his body, right? All of his like, yeah, cross human DNA 
That's a good yeah, one. it was very dramatic and over the top. And I was just like, this is this is ridiculous. But otherwise, how are you going to know what he's about to do? You can't it's just true. walk up to the door and open it. He's got to. No, that would be too. You got to show that he's more powerful than an average man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By centering yeah. himself and breathing. True. How else would you know? How would you know? <laughs> What gets the Enterprise Award finally for the best scene of the episode? The best scene <laughs> of the episode, I'll give it. I'll give it to McCoy when he mm. says, "Just slit my artery, slit it, <laughs> just kill me." Just What's do the... it. Stop <laughs> trying to hit me. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. So go down to the <laughs> comment sections and write what you thought of the episode. Let us know your thoughts. Get down in there, write about it, talk about it. I want to see people say so many things about it. Next week's they episode will, will be... <laughs> oh, they totally will. They totally will. <laughs> Next week's episode <clears throat> is it's less of an episode of Kirk fighting something ten times the strength of him. Mm. This episode is entitled The Devil in the Dark. Mm-hmm. So stick around for that. As always, if you enjoyed the video, like it. If you disliked it, dislike it. Share it with all your friends and family and Trek enthusiasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And ring that bell for notifications for when it comes out, typically on Sundays at 5. Yeah. But uh, you do it. Do it. (laughs) But just a couple days ago from this date, from this coming out, um, our other... Last week's episode, Arena, came out just a couple days ago. It was a little delayed. That just came out. And also, we have another return to our Star Trek RPG. So that's on the channel as well. Give it a watch. If you like Star Trek and you like things like Dungeons & Dragons or dice rolling or strategy, things like that, give it a watch. You'll enjoy it. I hope at least... And then you can always go over to Caleb's channel. Caleb had very recently a very cool video dealing with another person taking on a maniacal world leader. He made an item from that (laughs) universe in Marvel. Wow, yeah. So go find it on his channel. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I think once you find it, you'll click it and watch it. Yeah. You'll see it. But... There is also another video on his channel that you should be watching. Somebody else straining and stretching and breaking out of something across their chest. Look for it. They mention him. They mention his type of people in this episode several times. They refer to them as Superman. He's like, no, it wasn't. He was not Superman. <laughs> he was not. A Superman. He was a bad man. Go watch that video. Watch yes. watch him paint yeah. a Superman. A true oh, Superman. Truly Superman. Yeah. So, as always, thanks for watching. And computer. And this stupid program. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Check for any messages. 
Oh, yes, there is a message here. Uh, let's see. From the captain to all crew, please do the outro of the... Oh, okay, yes. Take time on my busy doctor schedule here to record a couple things. Ah, oh, hello. Dr. Stephen House, Chief Medical Officer aboard the USS Drake. Just wanted to record a few reminders for you guys. So here we go. The Retrack Review is a Daystrom Holodeck podcast. It's produced in association with the Plastic Underground Props, hosted by Caleb Stoddard and Will Wilbur, edited by Will Wilbur. Our outro song is by Kaylee Joy Rookledge. Our theme song is by Samo Studios. And our outro song is by Tommy T. The title card art was created by Caleb Stoddard. Trophy art was created by Adrian Wilbur from Love by the Letters. The synopsis and written plot provided by memoryalpha.fandom.com. Star Trek is created by Gene Roddenberry. And all official clips and pictures are owned by Paramount Pictures. You can follow us at the Plastic Underground Props and the Daystrom Holodeck on Instagram and YouTube. So that is it. That is all I had to say. And uh, oh, what? Lazesh, don't touch that.